and welcome back to Perform Talks. I'm your host, Bethany Unwin. And before we get on with today's show, I just want to let you guys know that our free monthly online performing arts magazine is now available to download. All you need to do is head to peermag.co.uk or you can follow the link in our show notes to download your free copy of Performing Arts Mag. Don't forget, if you love these episodes, please head to iTunes to leave us a review. All reviews help us get noticed by more performers and help get more free information and industry insight out there to help as many people as we can. A huge thank you for your support and without further ado, let's get on with the show. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Robbie Taylor Hunt, who's an intimacy director and coordinator. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on and talk to us today. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. It's great to be chatting with you. It's lovely to have you on. And I really want to make people a bit more aware about what you do. So for all the listeners at home, can you tell them a bit about who you are and what you get up to? Yeah, so um, I'm an intimacy director and coordinator, as you said. Um, Intimacy direction, we talk about for theatre, intimacy coordination for screen. Different people use slightly different language around that, but that's how I tend to operate. And intimacy coordinators and directors work to facilitate and choreograph intimate content for live performance and on screen. And we do that by working with actors, director, writer, and the whole team, to help to serve that narrative and tell the story in the best possible way while upholding everyone's well-being, looking after everyone, maintaining boundaries and navigating consent. That's amazing. And I think it's so important to raise awareness of exactly what you do. So in your roles of intimacy director and intimacy coordinator, what does that role particularly consist of? What does your kind of day-to-day look like depending on the kind of work you're up to? Yeah, it's super diverse. So it really, really depends on on the project. Um, for uh, if we're talking about intimacy coordination for screen, it can vary hugely depending on the scripted action that is mentioned. You know, if we're talking about the umbrella of what is considered intimate content is huge, right? We're talking about nudity and semi-nudity. We're talking about simulated sex in all the different ways that that can happen. We're talking about family you know, cuddling, talking about bathing and washing. We're talking about all sorts of things that someone could find intimate in some way. So that keeps it very fresh and dynamic um, because you're always doing slightly different things, as well as the fact that you're there to work with people and doing that with people's boundaries and making sure people are comfortable. So those things are very different for every individual creative as well. So it can really, really vary. But basically, like I sort of implied before, we're partly there is like a choreographing role. So to actually choreograph the action, which is using various um, techniques and tricks and uh, barriers and tools to make sure that we're choreographing that action in a way that is safe um, and tells a really great story and is creative and engaging and dynamic and exciting to watch and, you know, that Uh, viewer will get a lot out of Um, and then we're also doing a kind of care part of the role as well which is making sure that everyone feels really seen and respected and that communication is really clear and that everyone feels protected and heard 
that we are checking everyone's consent and boundaries at all times and making sure that's a real open conversation that people can uh, yeah just feel that they're completely working within their boundaries so that they can be making work that they're really proud of and really happy to be working on that's amazing I mean on sets it's there's often so much happening so to make time for these important conversations I feel like needs to be made more aware that actors can actually take the time to do that with you yeah for sure and it, it's one of those things time is is such an important thing to highlight because urgency particularly like you say on set is huge but urgency can really kill people's comfort levels because when you're going fast 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 everything has to be done now then stuff gets dropped and that can happen in terms of all sorts of safety parts of of a role right that lots of people on set are trying to keep people safe in various capacities and again if it's going it's what you're prioritizing with that urgency right and it's and you're not prioritizing actors well-being and emotional health then uh that just tells us a lot about how the industry views performers and what expects from them and how much we prioritize mental health generally as a society so yeah with that time of going it is essential that we have time to work on this and that people feel comfortable and safe that's yeah massive that's amazing so my next question is if someone is on set and they may be uncomfortable with what's going on and maybe they have got an intimacy coordinator there but maybe they haven't what do they do and in theatre as well how do they approach that conversation if there's a particular scene or moment that's a little bit uncomfortable for them what do they need to do yeah so the first thing I'll say taking a step back is that we hope that with a better with collaboration with intimacy coordinators and directors and as the industries become more aware of intimacy and and navigating this properly that fewer people we put in that position where they're uncomfortable in the first place because usually those uncomfortable positions those uncomfortable moments can come from actors not really knowing that something was going to happen in quite the way that it does end up happening or they're in rehearsal and the director asks them to do something or they're on set and they go actually can you just take off an extra layer and all those things right so we hope that those conversations happen way before your cast before you're in the room all that stuff so that you can turn up already really equipped and therefore much more likely to be comfortable that means that in audition notices and castings that it's really clear what people are going to be expected if those conversations come up later that they are had way ahead of time so we can get all those things down and uh, very clear and everyone working on the same page to make sure that things are going to happen within a performer's boundaries but of course things are unpredictable stuff changes things shift everyone can know exactly what's meant to happen you turn up on set or you're in rehearsal and we're all on the same page and then something happens and someone's uncomfortable that's a part of human life it happens to everyone we are changing emotional beings um and working with our emotions and with our bodies and that's just part of the part of the deal um Firstly, again, having an intimacy professional there already does so much because if there's not an intimacy professional there, then who's that performer going to go to? There's the director who there's a massive power relationship with and, you know, that can be even a wonderful director. An actor might not want to be seen as difficult or anything. Um, There's potentially stage management in in theatre who they might have a good relationship with. But again, in the moment, is it easy to go to them 
sometimes yes, sometimes no. So um, having that intimacy professional who's likely to firstly spot that discomfort and go, right, let's have a break, let's cool off, let's talk about this, um, is one thing, but also that performer to go, that person is just here to make sure that I'm comfortable so I know that that is being respected. And then, frankly, it's about that communication, about saying I'm uncomfortable and equipping people with the um, autonomy to feel like they can do that and they can go, I'm uncomfortable and therefore we need to do something differently rather than the old vibe, which seems to be more like I'm uncomfortable, but oh, well, that's just part of my job as a performer. I just better get on with it and keep my head down sort of thing. Yeah, I think that's so important that we that we recognise what happened before and now put changes in place to make sure that doesn't happen again. Because even when I was in training, I remember the, a lot of the time we were kind of uh, had it told to us over and over again that you weren't to uh, argue or um, be difficult or say anything um, that was against the creative, which I totally understand and respect, but you also need to be comfortable and that's got to be a priority. Yeah, yeah, and it's a different, you know, if the director goes, I really think that Juliet is really stroppy at this moment about, you know, with using the dialogue, that's one thing to like go against a creative you know, vision and you can have that conversation. But, you know, you're a human person in a workplace. Ultimately, you're like at what you're doing your job, even though it's creative, and people shouldn't be made to feel uncomfortable um, at work and to feel less than or to lose power against someone else. And, um, you know, exactly. It's just it's just not okay. We have a real weird thing in, in theatre and TV and film where there, there is just such stark power differential, which is in it everywhere in the world. But it's part of the whole kind of like, oh, they're a genius or like they're this in this high position of authority and like they have a say over what work you might do next. They can really spread um, rumors about you or they can say to people, oh, no, you don't want to work with them. They're really hard work. And if there's all that stuff just is a risky environment for performers to feel like they don't have that ability to call things out when they're not happy. So we've, we need intimacy professionals and a general culture shift to, to make sure that people are supported. Uh, thank you for highlighting that because I feel like it's so important, you know, as we said, there's one thing going against them in terms of a creative way of, oh, I don't think my character would do this when you're trying to create their vision. That can be quite difficult for them. But also understanding that, you know, they want their scene to look the way it is. So, but you also need to be comfortable. So you need to be able to speak freely in that. I think that's a really important thing. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And frankly, I think we used to and still sometimes do. You'll see like when there's an intimate moment or something that a, a performer might say, oh, I don't know if like creatively my character would do that. You know, people will use because that's more allowed, right, to kind of be like, well, we'll talk about in terms of like the creative idea um, as like a vehicle for actually masking their discomfort just as a person because there weren't those avenues of discussion open. There wasn't that like channel of communication so they had to kind of do it in any way they could and then then people were like why are they talking about the creative decision i'm the director it's my choice and then it was just walked over and, and you know that's why we were seeing uh, lots of discomfort yeah that's a really good point and as well i remember when i was in my first year and i went to an audition um i got put in some positions that I wasn't comfortable with but because I was only a first year that had gone to this audition I didn't feel like it was my place I didn't feel like I knew enough maybe this is what happened all the time maybe I just needed to get a grip I just didn't have um 
any guts to say anything about the situation I was in. Mm, yeah, and that's that's you, you, two things you've highlighted there. First, the idea that you're a first year, like age and experience becomes massive, right? And that's, again, we've got to think about power dynamics in a room. And if there's even a first year working with some third years on a devised show, and those third years are all good mates, and they've got this first year in, that's a power differential, as well as definitely going out to the world. And secondly, you mentioned, you know, not really knowing, not really knowing what the norm is. And we talk a lot about with consent of people being like informed about things, right? Of like really knowing what what exactly is expected. But also just that's why, you know, I'm, I like going into drama schools and with an intimacy coordinator, a colleague of mine and friend, Adelaide Waldrop, who's wonderful. We went to Lambda Drama School and did lots of workshops with their actors. I'm in Mount View this week talking to the directors and actors there. And talking to people at drama school, I think is so important because yeah, then you go out into the industry, you're being prepared for the industry and you can go out going, I know there's a job where they look after my boundaries and I know that it's okay for me to, you know, demand that. Um, yeah. Whereas before exactly people were leaving and going into auditions and rehearsal rooms being like, I have no idea if this is what's normal or not. And I don't want to cause a scene. So I guess I'll just do it. And then, you know, years later they talk to someone, they're like, Oh, I see that that was bad. And you know, then it's too late. Right. Um, yeah. So exactly. Knowledge is a powerful thing. Oh, it really is. And I'm trying my best to like educate people so that they don't end up in the same situation that I was incredibly uncomfortable in an audition. But it it was one of those things and it was certainly a learning curve and I would not be making that mistake ever again. (laughs) But we live and learn. Um, So what are the hardest scenes to navigate and what should performers be aware of in terms of your role and what you're trying to do um, when you're trying to fulfill your job and get your job done? Yeah, so in terms of the hardest scenes, again, um, it really varies. So my instinct would be to say that working on scenes of sexual violence and sexual assault can be particularly difficult scenes to navigate because you're dealing with very emotional content, um, particularly if you're working with people who identify as female, a large proportion of the female population has experienced sexual harassment of some kind. So it might be potentially really triggering content. And so just holding that space for people and dealing with such sensitive material for those performers, for yourself as an intimacy professional, often also working alongside like a stunt coordinator, a flight director, if there's violence involved, that can that's just something where you go, okay, that's like a real extra level of care and comfort and difficulty we have to be doing there and really protecting ourselves emotionally. I, I, that's one thing. But then also I will say again that with this work, you just never know. Actually, one of, you know, you can work on some quite complex simulated sex sequences, which are very exposed. And there's lots of nudity and the performers feel fine. They feel really equipped. They're just you know, quite chill about it and they, you do it all and you work all through really carefully and everyone feels great and you go home, happy days. And it's all quite straightforward. And then I've worked on like a light kiss moment and the performers have found that really tricky or um, confusing and have felt awkward and insecure about it and all sorts of stuff. And so it's, it's worth remembering that, you know, we all have different ideas of what is intimate. We all have different boundaries and levels of where those um where those boundaries are for like this feels like really exposing to me um as well as you know people shift all the time so moments that i think kind of theoretically i'm like oh that's a really tough scene to navigate is one thing but then in practice some of my most um kind of 
work which has required the most care and sensitivity and like careful navigation and um etc have been scenes of what would seem to be lighter levels of intimacy but for those particular people were were not and that you know was completely fine and in that moment no one is going oh get over it get on with it you know as an intimacy professional you're like right i'll you know we'll we'll deal with this absolutely how we need to deal with this um yeah so that's the tough scene and then what did you was it about how you work with before yeah. performers new yeah in those tough moments is there anything that performers should remember that the intimacy coordinators are trying to do at the same time yeah just just that we're there for them you know like i've i've been on set sometimes where um or worked with people sometimes in like the earlier days i mean we're still quite early days of intimacy where where people generally and performers think that you're there for for like keeping an eye out or nothing going like horrifically wrong people think that you're there to stop like terrible things happening and everyone being so upset and walking off set they're going no we're there for everything we're here to help you you know we we can if maybe you feel completely comfortable, we can make it look better. We can make it look more specific. We can tell a better story. We can give you some tools so you feel like you're really drawing on a whole array of playful options that you can bring into the mix here and all that stuff so that you, yeah, you just feel like you're doing a really good job. I just, I always want performers to feel really proud of the intimate scenes they've made, like they'd be, you know, a typical um, parallel is drawn with stunt coordination and fights the people work hard on fights and it is specific and you work with them creatively and safety wise. And then you can be so proud of the fight scene you make. And you're like, look at this fight scene. I look so cool. That is awesome. I mean, well, the same thing with a great intimate scene that you're like, yeah, we worked really hard on it. We found the perfect way to tell that story. And this is like a really pivotal moment for my character. I think I completely aced it because we worked on it closely. So it's like, you're there for all that stuff, not just like health and safety police waving a flag saying no one do anything bad you know yeah and I think it's also important to recognize that you're there to help you're not just there as a tick box to say we've got one on set like they are there to be hands-on and help yeah definitely and it happens a lot that yeah people go oh thank goodness you're here great tick go like we can just do what we were going to do before but now you're just standing there and means we don't get in trouble um which you know obviously isn't isn't the point and even having an intimacy coordinator working really closely and deeply with people isn't enough when you need like a whole i think you need it like more of a culture change about how we view um you know intimacy and onset and, and the power dynamics there you know that that goes beyond just having an intimacy coordinator or onset or intimacy director in your rehearsal room so um and that's beginning to happen you're seeing a bit more kind of general big picture thinking around um you know, making sure there's like sexual harassment, like hotlines that people can call on set and um, and having good like reporting structures really evident in rehearsal rooms for when intimacy coordinators and directors aren't around. Um, yeah, we should be there no matter what. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think it's important that while we've come a long way, we've still got a long way to go in terms of normalising yeah. having intimacy coordinators and directors on hand all the time with rehearsals, with actual performances just being there to help mm, yeah i completely agree i would love to ask you now obviously you're called in for some of like the toughest scenes going like there is no doubt about it and you've got a lot to deal with some days 
do you have to take a step back? Does it sometimes get quite draining trying to to help people through some of these really difficult, traumatic scenes? Yeah, yeah. It's um, and again, um, absolutely the like very obviously traumatic scenes. But again, one of the like immediately the scene that comes to mind for me, and I won't um, disclose anything, but uh, was on a theatre project, and it was like the intimacy itself was very very like seemingly very small not um very intense and 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 just for various reasons they got very complicated in the room there was various difficult dynamics between people and and all sorts of stuff so that i remember leaving that rehearsal and sitting in my car and like like needing to deflate so much because you are holding space for people you know you're you're taking on a lot of that energy um, and that anxious energy and you're like taking that in and being like you know you're trying to support them and find a way of processing that and dealing with it and understanding where they're coming from and navigating a different person's energy and trying to you know deal with the director's um, contributions and think about how they can be delivered in a way that doesn't make anyone feel uncomfortable and all sorts of things so yeah absolutely it's um it can be draining and that's why um with intimacy professional intimacy professionals you have to think not just about the moment you walk on set but generally right so if i know i'm facilitating something and i'm in rehearsal from two till five that day then i'm gonna be really careful with what i do with that morning i can't just like run myself dry and feel terrible and not eat anything or eat crap food and then turn up and feel really groggy and sluggish and out of it and then not be able to do a good job because you know that's not being able to do my job so uh, yeah, you do have to think about it kind of a bit more big picture. But one real, this is a good way of talking about one real central part of intimacy practice, which again is often overlooked or what people don't know about when you don't know about intimacy um, work yet, is um, in that very way. And we hope um, performers do this as well as like your general well being. And with that around closure and how you can protect the scene that you're working on, the intimate scene itself, and have some closure around it. So you can leave that behind and go back to your real world. Because we all know the idea of like a showmance, right? That you're working, you're romantic leads obviously each other and you get wrapped up in it and the performers end up in some sort of relationship off stage as well. And, and then the show finishes and then people... Uh, realize that they don't actually like each other. They were sort of just playing the characters on stage and all goes wrong. And that's because there's not great closure around it, right? That we're not going, this is when we're on stage, this is when we're working, this is when cameras are rolling, and then this is when I'm in my trailer, this is on my walk home, this is a separate space, which is helpful for avoiding kind of blurring of relationships, um, which can be complicated for lots of reasons, but also to look after people, to protect people. So you work on that really intense scene and you don't just carry that into the rest of your day. You know, if you're filming from, 7 till 1 p.m and then you have to go live the rest of your life for you know half a day and you're just carrying that with you it's awful so we do various things to try and give perform well we're there and that's another thing which is good for performers to know that they can ask us is we're there if people want some tools around having closure around stepping away from that character and being able to go back to their own lives and how to step into the character looking after themselves having that well-being so that they can work on an intimate scene enjoy that process or find that process um, creatively satisfying but then also not affect their general life too much that's amazing and such important work as well that like you say is completely 
um, goes unnoticed if you don't know the ins and out of it, intimacy and what goes on. I mean, for me, that was that was really interesting to know about that you deal with the closure as well, because that's something that I find you know, even if it's not that traumatic of a scene, you still go away and think about it in your everyday life because you don't have a lot of closure when you're on set. It's like, yeah. cut, and then you go, and then that's it. And it's, mm. yeah, it's... Yeah, definitely. It's, you know, people, I think lots of people can relate to you working on a play and you're in rehearsal and then shows, and it's just, you know, nothing nothing heavy or no, 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 maybe no intimacy, you know, physical intimacy, but it's just like really sad and tragic, you know, and then you just carry that into your life generally and, and it can really shape everything. So if you're working on a play which is very intimate content, that same thing happens. You feel kind of that weird feeling that comes from your, your body. You can't tell, flick a switch in your body, which your body pretends that it's knows that it's pretend you know what i mean your body does experience some of those real feelings of um real uh, chemicals and hormones running around your body so um you know trying to help yourself protect and, and protect yourself and have some of those boundaries i think is really really important and and yeah bits of closure always happen you, know, you do warm-ups that's kind of an opening that's going into it and if you're closing then you're opening and um and sometimes people do little cool downs sometimes people will you know, even having a drink in the bar in some ways is a form of closure before you go into the rest of the world. But, you know, we want to see people in the in the dressing rooms having a little moment. I know people who will look in the mirror and like say thank you to the character and then step away from it. People who do a bit of yoga, some deep breathing. Uh, people have a cup of tea, a cup of herbal tea that they really like. Think they really like takes them back to themselves from the character. There's all sorts of things you can do, but just putting some energy and effort into that, I think, could be really beneficial that's amazing so if anyone is interested in intimacy and wants to look at maybe going into this someday um how would they go about that what would you advise them to start looking at yeah so there's there's all there's different routes that people take um most of uh the kind of training organizations um require some previous experience as a performer or movement director or director some understanding of the industry and what it means to work particularly in performing so of knowing how it feels and what it's like to be a performer and work with performers generally it's already expecting yeah like i say some movement director experience because it is a movement role you're talking about bodies and how we move our bodies and looking after our bodies um as well as some experience kind of facilitating spaces and holding spaces because that is so much of what it is um then there's also various uh, other kind of trainings that are part of the role as well so we do unconscious bias training lgbtq awareness training sexual harassment training and bullying awareness training and bullying and harassment awareness training um Bystander intervention, uh, we do our adult mental health first aider qualification, um, and all sorts of those things are kind of the wider understandings around all the kind of stuff you might need to have in the mix. Um, and then, yeah, there's there's different organizations. So I work a bit and was trained by an organization called um, Intimacy Stage and Screen, uh, which is, yeah, a body which does training where you, the, the, tra the exact structure of it is slightly shifting because um, you know we've come through COVID and no training has really been happening during COVID because it's needed to be in person so I think it's going to be maybe slightly different on the other side but um, yeah which is a uh, you know process of uh, in-person trainings which um, you learn about 
consent and a really rigorous understanding of consent. You talk through understanding communication properly. You look at how to work on a script and break down a script and all the documentation that goes with it. You look at different gear and modesty equipment that you need. You do choreographic tools of how to choreograph things, make them look realistic, but keep people safe. And you talk about closure and different closure techniques and, and all sorts of other stuff. Um, yeah, and then there tends to be sort of a mentorship part of the process where you'll then begin to work and have people who will look after you. So um, Lizzie Talbot runs Intimacy for Stage and Screen and she um, yeah, has absolutely given me some of that support and others. Um, there's also uh, Yara Dorr who runs uh, Moving Body Arts, which has a uh, mentorship scheme. So it's slightly different in that it's more about mentorship and has those training processes and then uh, mentorship element. And that is for underrepresented groups particularly, which is wonderful. Um, and then there's Intimacy on Set as well, an organization which um, has kind of level training system. Um, but yeah, like I said, it's really, uh, there's been a big pause because it's as a role, you really need to be in person. <laughs> um, so it hasn't been able to be like, just, oh, we'll just do your training online. Um, so uh, I think at the end of this year into next year, we'll be seeing a bit more of the like, official training programs, exactly what they do. I'm working with Intimacy for Stage and Screen to have some online training kind of workshops where there's the kind of basics and um, we did things about working with young performers and minors on set and chaperones and, and we're going to be doing some soon around intimacy and other disciplines perhaps. But um, yeah, that, that's kind of, if you're interested in kind of learning a bit more about it just generally rather than fully training to become an intimacy professional, there's those kind of workshops out there, online workshops, but yeah, the I, the full shift of career to intimacy um, directional coordination is is uh, a big one, but uh, yeah, it's a joy. Yeah, you sound really passionate about it when you talk about it. I was like, do I want to be an intimacy? <laughs> I was so into it just then. I think you know, it sounds like the most amazing job in terms of the you're so needed and so essential and so much awareness needs to be raised um for the fantastic work that you do so a huge thank you from everyone <laughs> that's very kind and i you know absolutely um i'm loving it and so so um, honored to be able to do the work um, and so appreciative of all the people who came before me who really were the real front runners who were really fighting the way to get intimacy into the world like i came into it at an early point obviously but but i'm you know you still come across people who don't really get it etc but largely now i'm in the lucky position that people are really excited about it whereas yeah a lot of the people who really started this movement off um were really facing an uphill struggle and were you know not allowed in rooms and laughed out of places and all sorts so I, i'm so grateful to all of them um for being able to get into this place that it is and it's going to benefit so many people um and i will say you know this is very kind there's also lots like with every job there's lots of boring <laughs> there's lots of paperwork there's lots of emails there's all that as well don't worry it's not constant um joy and feeling amazing and, and saving lives <laughs> <laughs> absolutely there's that in every job i yeah. we can assure everyone um <laughs> but i would like to ask you before we wrap up for today what advice do you have for any aspiring performers mm. That's such a good question. Well, regarding intimacy, my advice is, well, the thing I want to tell you is that you can always ask for an intimacy director or coordinator. If there's intimate content, 
and you say to them, oh, so, you know, this is an intimate scene. Are you going to be working with an intimacy coordinator? And they go, oh, no, no, no. Then just re- huge red flag. And you can go, this is intimate content. We need an intimacy coordinator. And if they still are saying, no, 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 then that's just something for you to think about whether you really want to be involved in that project. It can be so gutting to walk away from projects, obviously, in an industry where you're like, you know, want to be protected. But if you want, you know, you will need work a lot. But um, if you're not going to be protected, then that can just cause you so much harm. And there will be more jobs. And and yeah, I just, yeah, I just get worried about um, the industry kind of making people feel like they have to do a job that they're not really wanting to do, not quite ready for. And then, and, and then they're not having intimacy professionals around and just makes people uncomfortable um yeah you you should never be asked to perform intimacy or nudity in an audition particularly a first audition um you should be given notice before you um have to do any intimacy intimate content there should be you know nudity riders and simulated sex riders if you're working on set for what you're going to be showing and then that's agreed and you can't they can't just say like oh and remove another layer because it's in your rider um there's so many things i want to <laughs> want to say but basically you know you're the bottom line is, is that your comfort and your boundaries and, uh, are, are so important. And um, no matter what you are feeling in a moment, no matter what pressures there are, making it very difficult, you always deserve to say no. You can just say no. You don't need to say why. You don't owe that to anyone. You can just say no and not do a project, not do a certain piece of choreography. Um, yeah. That's amazing advice. Robbie, thank you so, so much for taking the time out of your day to come and share all your insight with us. Thank you. You're so welcome. Thanks for having me and for your questions. It's been an absolute pleasure and I can't wait to hear more about what you get up to. A huge, huge thank you for coming on. Um, Where can people find you? Uh, Yeah, I mean, on socials uh yeah i'm robbie taylor hunt on instagram and r taylor hunt on twitter and that's where you can find me online find me in person in england new zealand i'm all over the place amazing uh, (laughs) socials that's that's where to find me perfect i'll make sure i put all of those uh handles in our show notes so people can go and find you and check out your amazing work but huge thank you for today thank you Thank you for everyone for listening. I've been your host, Bethany Unwin, and this has been Performer Talks.